You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Husker CuzCast for all podcast updates and more. Guys, we're halfway through spring ball. Practice 8 of 15 has been completed. So, Tyler, what are, you, if you're, what are your thoughts of spring ball thus far? I mean, I, you know, it's a great time of year. You're starting to get uh, a little bit excited for the season, starting to get a little bit of light. But, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I love what Matt Rule is doing, the way he's addressing the media. I feel like we're getting more tidbits this year than we have in the past. I feel like the media coverage has been up. So, I don't know, I'm pretty excited so far. Yeah, to add to that point, you know, the media was there at practice today. I saw like 45, 50 minutes worth of practice. And so a little bit more access than what the media has had uh, under previous uh, staff. So, Derek, what are your thoughts of spring practice so far? I'd say it's hard to imagine it's half over already. I yeah. mean, it seems like it just started up. I mean, the good news is the weather's finally warming up so we can go golfing. But, uh, you know, I look, I'm excited. I can't wait for the spring game. Can't wait to see how some of this pans out. Uh, Matt Rule's doing a good job. I, I, Tyler, you said it. I, he, he's given us so much more information. It's, it's nice to get. I, it kind of feels like you're part of it again, I guess. Well, he's embracing it. He's embracing yeah. everything about Nebraska, whether it's tradition, you know, former players, uh, the media. I mean, he's, he's having a great time. I mean, making – Great relationships around around high schools there in the state. So he's definitely putting some work into uh, this position. So it's great to see. I, I do have to say this, just not trying to play devil's advocate or anything, but it feels like we say this about every new coach. Well, of course. I mean, <laughs> of course we do, because we're always we're e- eternally optimistic until they shit the bed, right? I mean... <laughs> They can I mean, do it, no. It, it just harm. seems like it just seems like every time we get a new coach, it's the same conversation. Oh, he's really embracing it. He's getting good good relationships with the high schools, and it just I, we'll see how it pans out. But well, way to take over the Tyler role of being a pessimist, there, Derek. Somebody's got to do it, I guess. Hey, we got a long episode here, so uh, Tyler can still get there. All right, guys, I want to talk about some position changes of interest because one of the things that Matt Rule has done in the past and he's talked about, and he moves players around in uh, in different positions. And so we're starting to see a little bit of that through spring camp thus far. And there's a one position group that there's been a lot of shuffling around. Uh, That's the tight end position. Uh, If you look at some of the moves thus far, and I'm not talking about just the guys like James Carney and Chris Hickman leaving, but you have uh, Brody Tagloa moving from tight end to defensive line, A.J. Rollins moving from tight end to defensive edge, uh, defensive end, and then what's he doing? He's bringing in guys like Janoran Bonner from wide receiver to the hybrid tight end, which is an F tight end combination of wide receiver, tight end, running back. And then there's one more move. Uh, Jake Applegate, edge to tight end. Derek, what do you make of all of these uh, guys moving around, uh, especially at this position group? 
Well, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I I know they know what they're doing a hell of a lot better than I do, so I'm not trying to question them. It just seems odd that you would move two tight ends, bring two more in, the, the two transfers out or whatever. Like, you expected to lose some guys anyway. What I That is what it is. But, I mean, like, Applegate, moving him over to tight end, he's not even practicing right now. I mean, he's injured, so I... I Moving him to tight end, I don't know what that really entails if he can't practice it. Uh, moving the other two guys, I, maybe they just weren't suited to be tight ends. Fine. A.J. Rollins, I don't know that he was ever going to be a huge tight end here in Nebraska with, with some of the tight ends that we've brought in above him. Uh, so, I mean, so be it. If he's going to be a good defensive lineman, I mean, great. We need some guys. I, but I don't get the tie, I don't get the hybrid with Janer and Bonner, uh, and that's why I'm excited for a spring game because I'm excited to see what's going to happen with that. Happen with that because right now the only thing I'm taking out of is it sounds like the Duck R guy. Only we're calling it the F tight end now. Yeah, Tyler, what are your thoughts on this tight end room and all the shuffling? Well, you know, we a few weeks ago we we had a really fun episode where we broke down like different position groups where we were, and I know one of the things we talked about is like at the end of this, it's going to be a whole different room with attrition and how it goes. And you obviously, you know, probably expected some people moving positions, but nothing like this. I mean, that room is completely different. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't know if I'm more excited or less excited about their abilities. I, I don't know if here, I've got a pre-gauge on it yet. Here, here, Go ahead, Derek. Here's the thing. like I don't think anybody's uh, attitude's changed towards the tight end because everybody's putting all their eggs in the two baskets, and that's Eric Gilbert and Thomas Fedoni. You're, you're right. And so like I guess that hasn't really changed. I, I guess – but like I, I think the move of honor to tight end is really interesting – um, I think that like from a pure athletic ability, he seems to be an enhancement there. I think moving a couple of these guys, to defensive line is a posi- defensive line was a position and I might be wrong on this, but I think all of us had as our weakest position group. So it seems like they're, they're addressing that by getting more scholarship guys there, um, to at least see how it plays out. And, you know, when I look at guys like, and, and not necessarily in Nebraska history, but we can throw a couple guys like a Cody Glenn who changed positions from running back to linebacker late in his career and yeah. really end up thriving in that role. And maybe other teams like uh, uh, the best tight end in the NFL, Travis Kelsey was a quarterback when he went to Cincinnati and moved to tight end. When you see these guys move, it's like, man, why haven't we done that? I mean, we did it with Cam Jurgens, moving them from tight end, but it doesn't seem like we have like done a great job of evaluating some of this talent when we got there. We did it and- with Wondell Robinson. That worked out fine. Yeah, that, that, that's let's talk about good stories here, Justin. Uh, but like, but I don't think the previous staff really did a great job of like trying to say, yeah, I don't know if you quite fit there. Let's find a better spot for you to thrive. And it seems like this coaching staff has done that. They they've really hit the spring and said, I think we can find better spots to play. And I think they're the mix up is really intriguing so far. But that's all it is is intriguing because. We have no proof that these are good moves yet. No, no, and we probably won't for a while. But like I, again, it's, well, as far as far as like AJ Rollins moving a defensive line, it may be two, three years before we figure out if that's a good move. Because sure. he's not going to be of size to be playing defensive line this year. I can't imagine. 
But is there anything that could be said about the way that Matt Rule truly wants to use this tight end position by shuffling guys like this around? I mean, is, is have you seen like a common theme on like the body type and speed or athletic ability of all of these guys uh, that was that he's moving there now that you know probably wasn't there before? I mean, does Jake Applegate really fit that? I, I don't I, I'm know. Not really sure. I, I just. I just wondered if there was something I, that the staff... I, I don't know enough about. Yeah, I don't know enough about Jake Applegate to sit here and try and persuade you one way or another on him, on, on him moving there. I assume that the staff's seen something out of him. I'm just not sure what it is, especially not seeing him be able to practice. Now, not be able to practice doesn't mean he hasn't been running, or maybe he's showing off some athletic ability during the mat drills that they were doing during the off season. But it's hard telling. So, Tyler, do you have any thoughts on this uh, F tight end position that uh, the staff is talking about? No. I mean, my, my biggest takeaway is, you know, Bonner was a guy that we had talked about when we had uh, Generation Red on about he was a guy that maybe could have made some rumblings at wide receiver. He was a guy that coming out of high school was a huge recruit, huge get. Um, and I think that tight end, we've both all kind of said, man, if Gilbert or Fedoni don't work out, that room gets really thin. I think to get some of his athletic ability in that room is interesting. But, like, I've heard he's taking snaps at fullback. Like, they seem like they're moving him all over the field. And I don't know which, about this. Which seems like it doesn't do – like, it's doing him a lot of favors. I mean, he's a, he's a young kid. He's only been here for a year. He's barely getting down wide receiver. And now you're going to throw all these other positions at him? <laughs> You need to know the whole playbook <laughs> and yeah. everybody's role in it. Yeah, it, just seems, it seems like a lot to throw at a sophomore. I mean. Uh, the, Tyler, so when we're talking about, you know, guys are moving around on, on, under the previous staff, you know, Tommy Hill was one of those guys. You know, he came in, he's highly touted, came in, and he played cornerback and then got torched a few times. And then they're like, hey, uh, why don't you go try to catch the ball and uh, move to offense? And now, uh, Matt Rule, they placed him back on uh, uh, at defensive back. So it, it's also interesting to hear that uh, in practice today that Tommy Hill was out there for kickoff, but it wasn't kickoff return. It was kickoff coverage. So, I mean, this is kind of like a guy without a home <laughs> after two years, right? Yeah, I mean, at this time last year, I was uh, purchasing a lot of Tommy Hill stock. Yeah, and I, I'm not not saying I'm selling all of it, but I mean, I I have some shares available if anyone wants to buy them for me because <laughs> I, I am a uh, a little bit nervous about his trajectory because right now, like you're right, like I mean, he he was a hell of an athlete. We saw a little bit of glimpses of it last year. I mean. You know, I mean, I don't know how many players in Nebraska history have started a game at defensive back and at wide receiver in the same season. Um, I mean, so, I mean, obviously he had raw tools, really never performed great. And you've heard a lot of DBs. You've heard a lot of stuff, but his name hasn't been mentioned a lot. There's another way to put that, Tyler. How many guys have been benched from DB and wide receiver in the same season? I don't think that's fair. I think he started against Iowa. When was he benched? I don't think he was ever benched at wide receiver. 
Seemed like he was benched a lot. But. I mean, he didn't really produce a lot. Well, he wasn't. Yeah, he was definitely not an impact player. Apparently, he was in practice though, so that's good. So, uh, but Derek, what are your thoughts on Tommy Hill and where he fits into this uh, team? I guess I can't say offense. Well, I, I, I hate to say this, but I I wonder if he fits. Like, I'm I'm kind of wondering. We still got to get rid of a bunch of guys. You kind of wonder if maybe he's here in the fall. I mean. I, I hope he is. I don't want to see anybody leave, but some people got to go. And if they can't find a spot for him, then. Yeah, I mean, he's oh. got tons of athletic ability. He really does. And so. he's still young. And he's still young. Yeah, so he's, and he's already transferred once. I, I, well, I, I mean, don't wish he for really him to leave. Young, I, don't want, I don't want to put that. Well. He's a junior, and so. This is. What, is he like year? an eighth year junior? I think he's. A, I think he's actually a true junior. Is he a true junior? I think he's actually a true because he didn't redshirt at ASU, and I think he came in after COVID, so he didn't get that extra year. So I think he's a true junior. Okay. So I mean, we have like <laughs> freshmen that are young, older than him at this point. Like, if you got if you got on the wrong right time, I mean, God, I hate the, that COVID rule. God, that screwed everything up, didn't it? Yeah. I don't think we got much more longer to go with that, though. No, thank goodness. Uh, okay, so I want to keep it uh, with uh, defensive backs here for a second. And uh, this isn't really a position change, but it is uh, certainly interesting. And it's my guy, Malcolm Hartzog. I mean, that guy, he rocked it last year, came in as a true freshman at cornerback, uh, and he did, he did awesome. Uh, had a rough start maybe a little bit to start the year, like any true freshman, but... He finished like uh Hey, he led the team with interceptions. Yeah. I mean he, he he was a dude. And so now you hear the staff and they love what he's doing out there and all of his ability and so they're moving him around to like safety and you know maybe nickel or if they, that term is being used anymore. Uh but what do you make of this, Tyler? I mean, is this like is this a weird move? Like uh to safety? Um, I don't know. Well, what's because again, you you look at the guys that the Nickelback you mentioned, like guys like Isaac Gifford, Jevion Wright, and with them kind of more blending into just a safety, you start looking at that safety room and you're like, okay, well, you have Gifford back there, you have Miles Farmer, you have Buford when he comes back from an injury, Omar Brown obviously took snaps there last year. Um, you know, you have Noah Pola Gates, who's been around forever, obviously hyped tout. And you have a lot of guys in there, singletons in that room. Coaches have praised him a little bit. And you're like, who's playing cornerback? Like, and yeah, that that's exactly. the thing that's unique about it. It was, it seems like I mean, that that's I, a position maybe, we have more need of than safety. So I, I maybe, that's what's intriguing. And his size is interesting at safety. Maybe they plan on just playing like one cornerback and five safeties. Maybe who knows? I mean, maybe, but like, I mean, he's a five. Was he five nine? If we're being yeah. generous, I like, think so. I mean, is that the guy you usually think of as a safety? I mean, him running. I mean, I mean, he. I don't remember him really in run protection last year. I it just, you know, again with only three linebackers and three linemen, you kind of presume the safeties are going to have to make more tackles in the in the box so i don't know it it's an interesting thing but to what the coaches have talked about i mean 
he's a name that has been brought up multiple times by this staff so far. Um, they're obviously high on him. Justin, you're high on him. I think we're all high on him. So I think he could play anywhere. Just, I don't know. I'll be, that's obviously a position to keep an eye on because I, I had a pencil in as a virtual lock at cornerback starting. Yep. Agreed. Derek, what did you make of all of this uh, Malcolm Hartsog moving around? Well, I, I call it questionable at best right now. I, I don't, I mean, I, they could prove me wrong, but it doesn't seem like a smart move to me. Like, he was a good corner. He was an he was an obvious starter. He did everything right last year. I mean, I know he struggled at the beginning. You talked about that. But any freshman is going to do that. By the end of the season, he was probably our best corner out there, I thought. I, 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 to, to sort of move him just seems like – it just seems strange. I, I can't figure out what, what your reasoning behind it would be. Not when you have that much film of him. At corner, playing well. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so it's kind of like the old adage goes: "Why fix it if it's not broken?" Yep. Uh, th- there's another position uh, or another player out here that's kind of like in the Malcolm Hartsog role, and that's Ramirez Johnson. And uh, this isn't new territory for him, but he's a running back. But you know, even this staff, just like the last staff. Uh, talking about, you know, all the versatility and the different positions he can play, whether it's slot, wide receiver. I mean, we've, we've heard this song and dance before, right, Derek? Oh, yeah, and it's it's another one. It's like I, I feel I feel bad for the guy because it, it makes me feel like we're not going to see Ramirez Johnson again. And I, I think he's a good enough athlete that he should be on the field. Maybe he's not your starting guy. Maybe he's not your go-to guy. But it feels like he's good enough to at least be on the field. And when I start hearing them talk about multiple positions, I'm like, and maybe it's just me being broken from hearing it too many other times, but it's just, God, that's all we heard last year is how good he was at all these positions. And then he saw the, how many times did he touched the ball last year? 10? Uh, not that many. might be generous. I mean, not many. so I, I feel like he's a guy that's busted his ass to get where he's at. And probably deserves a little bit, a little bit better than what he's getting treated. Tyler, I mean, I'm I'm aligned with Derek. I think my maybe a different way though to look at it. I think we're all thinking, man, how are they going to get reps for all these running backs? Um, and you know, maybe he's just sitting there. And the coaches are saying, hey, I, I just don't think you have a spot. You're not one of the top two guys. Maybe not even one of the top three guys. We need, we need you on the field. That wide receiver room is certainly not what I think the running back room is. Uh, put it lightly, I'm very low on that room right now until a couple of these guys get in. I, I And, you know, obviously you feel like you can always move them back in case of emergency. I, I But I'm with you, Derek. I think the premise is, it's like, I have really enjoyed watching Ramir Johnson play. And whatever they do, I just think we are a better team if he's on the field in some capacity for some amount of role. And if they're going to do what Whipple did last year in Frost, I guess if you want to count him for the three games he was there and not play him at all, like that, that just, it, I don't think that makes us a better team. Positionless offense, right? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, what you hear about. And, you know, dudes like, you know, traditionalists like me just, 
I kind of hate those words, you know, <laughs> positionless offense. I just, but I don't know. I'm, it's going to be interesting. Uh, again, we've known that's what Matt Rule does. He made no, you know, he wasn't hiding it. He said it multiple times. He moves guys around. There's one other guy that there's been speculation from, maybe not from the, the coaching staff necessarily, but, you know, from like media. And that's uh, guys like uh, Henrik Harburg at quarterback, you know, where does he fit in? He's got the coaches. They talk about all of his ability. I mean, the dude is, I didn't realize he was as, as athletic as what he is. Truthfully, I was really shocked about uh, some of the well, numbers yeah. that he's putting up. What's that, Derek? It's just, it's funny that you bring that up because that's my whole take on this. Like, we brought this guy in, and the whole premise of Henrik Harburg was nobody knew where he was going to fit in because he had the arm. His arm was strong enough, but he just didn't have the athletic ability to maybe play in a Scott Frost offense. Yeah. And, and now we're talking about moving him because he's got so much athletic ability, but what, we don't know what his arm's strong enough? I mean, what what's the deal here? Like, we're hearing the complete opposite story that we've talked about for the last two years with this guy. Yeah. And it, it blows me away. It's like, okay. So, it, I mean, where does he fit in, I guess? Yeah, I, you hear talk that he could be at tight end, and then you see articles by Sean Callahan saying, you know, that he could be one of the top three quarterbacks headed in the fall. And it's like. Okay, but okay, but Sean Callahan says that, but then you hear reports today that he was the third quarterback yeah. taking snaps. And you know who's not practicing yet? Logan Smothers or Casey Thompson. Correct. Like, I, I'm just, I don't know if it's arm strength, Derek. I think it's accuracy. If I had to put a bow on it, I just don't think he's accurate enough. And it kind of tracks a little bit with what Whipple would have wanted to run. Um, and, and, again, I am rooting for, we're, this is the problem. We know we need to cut people. Um, you really don't want to cut a local kid, especially a kid that, you know, there's a little bit of expectations around. So, yeah, I think a changing in positions maybe makes sense. Uh, and and tight end, like, right now, that that's that's the room that really kind of, like, really kind of fits. He's a little bit bigger body. It seems like he could possibly go there. Um, again, I mentioned Travis Kelsey. Let him hit the weight room a little bit. And maybe that's something where he could actually thrive in that room. Um but yeah, I I I am I'm in the camp that I don't think he's gonna make it as a quarterback at Nebraska, and maybe I'm proven wrong. And again, I the coaches have raved about him a lot, but actions speak louder than words. And having him take third reps when you're already down two quarterbacks that very possibly could be ahead of him uh, is not a huge level of a of. A, security for him i guess if you will like i just don't think that's boding really well for him uh, so you don't want to see him at quarterback you think he should play elsewhere I, I i'm in the camp that i think that he really makes sense to move i think i i just i i know they say he's fast enough so maybe wide receiver is a move for him i i don't think we need him at defensive back i think we're too loaded in that room for him to make sense to move there so it's kind of like okay well if it's not defensive back then it's either tight end or wide receiver. We need the help probably more at wide receiver. I just feel like his body size seems like he would translate more to a tight end, um, a hell of an athletic tight end, but it seems like that's where I would figure he would go. 
I could be wrong on this, and that's not not that I'm advocating for him to move this position, but didn't he play linebacker in high school? I don't know. I mean, high school linebacker is a little bit. Uh, no, I, I get it. I understand that. I, I, I understand <laughs> that. I, I just trying to remember why because I think he played quarterback and linebacker in high school. And maybe linebacker is a boo for him. I mean, I yeah, I just I, I I think the writing's on the wall a little bit. I think that the media has been buzzing on this topic a little bit, and I think they see the same thing where it's like, you know, Sean Callahan says he could be one of the top three quarterbacks. I mean, at this juncture in his career, is that really a good spot for him being number three or four or five? Like, I just, I, I think that if you do you want to play or not, I mean, that's really the question. I think for him at this juncture, right? Uh, there's a couple more names I want to get to, and it's maybe not as much interesting about the names, but it's the uh, the jersey that they wear, and that's a thing called gray shirts, and. Uh, gray shirts is what's being used by the staff to identify two-way players. Maybe not necessarily two-way, but uh, guys that are playing offense and defense. So Javier Morton uh, and Jaleel Martin, uh, those are the ones I know of that have been uh, written about, at least from what I could find, uh, that are wear- wearing these gray shirts, and they're bouncing back between DB and wide receiver. Now, uh I guess A.J. Rollins had a gray shirt last week, you know, uh, going from tight end to defensive end. But now he's he's wearing the red. He's in the uh, uh, defense now. So I don't know if this is like the staff's way of trying to find where guys can fit. You know, everybody needs a home. There's a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of positions up for grabs. So if these gray shirts are uh, to find somebody at home, that's cool. But... Derek, what are your thoughts on these gray shirts and uh, Morton and Martin? <laughs> well, I, to be honest with you, I hope that's what it is. Because if we're just trying to find a two-way player, what, what a waste of time. Like, there, I mean, there have been a handful of players that have been two-way players in college football that have been successful. I don't think we need to find that guy. Like, what was his name? Jabril Peppers? Was he the yeah. last successful one to do it? Yeah. Like we're, We don't need to find a Jabril Peppers, but it's not what we need to do. Like Find these guys at home and get them figuring out one, one, one side or the other. I don't, I don't care which one. But, and, but if that's what you're trying to do is just try to find them a home, then I'm all for it. Like, yeah, let's find out where they fit best. Well, so what I think is going to be really interesting with some of these kids is like we know the roster attrition that's coming. And with you moving positions, like, do you think that bodes better that you're going to be left on the boat? Or is that like, uh, we'll, we'll see if you do something here. And and, and not to yeah. bring up the, the tight end room and go back there, but there's so many guys that have moved to tight end. Like, some of them have to make it work because we'll, we won't have a room if they all leave. Uh, I mean, what we'd left with two guys is basically what's left. So, like, I am intrigued a little bit. Like, does this, when when it finally comes time for roster, are you going to see a lot of these guys that have changed position, these gray shirts, are they going to be left on because they, they've tried something new and it's worked? Um, or is it just a bad sign that's like, coach is like, yep, you're, you're not looking so good. Yeah, I mean, both of these guys, you know, they're defensive backs, right? So if they're getting some wide receiver time, 
You know, I mean, look, they're they're buried at defensive back right now. And, you know, wide receiver room isn't looking that strong. So, you know, maybe it gives them an opportunity to potentially, you know, see the field. Because I don't know, looking at the uh, the defensive backs that are currently on the roster, I don't know if they're these either of these guys are even in the three deep at defensive back. Could they get in the three deep uh, at wide receiver? I say hell yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know. It's hard telling. It is. But, uh, again, yeah, I mean, I'm with Tyler. Like, it kind of makes you wonder if this is, like, your audition. Like, you get, you get this chance. If you don't prove yourself worthy, and we may ask you to move on somewhere else. Hey, every everybody in that locker room is aware of the scholarship limit, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, okay. Uh, that is all the position changes that uh, – of interest that I wanted to talk about. Uh, there is another new tradition that's going to be set by Matt rule. And it's uh, about a single digit. Derek, what is this all about? All right. So they are going to no longer be allowed to wear a single digit Jersey zero through nine, unless they are voted as one of the toughest players by all the players on the team. And I don't know when the vote takes place. I don't know how it works exactly. I know that the the person that gets the most votes gets the first pick, and there may not be enough people to take all all 10 jerseys. So you may have five guys out there in single-digit jerseys. You may have all 10 of them. Who knows? Uh, But... I, I I don't I don't hate this. I don't think it's the dumbest thing ever. I don't love it either. I'm kind of really neutral with it. I do feel bad for anybody who was wearing a single digit that had their jerseys ripped away from them. And I, it is what it is. It's fine. I, I can embrace new tradition. That's fine. And I guess it'll be it'll be interesting here in a couple of years. I think this first year is going to be a little awkward though. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Well, my first thought is a question, you guys. What happens if a lineman, offensive lineman, is one of the toughest players? I mean, they, they have to a good be question. exempt from voting, right? I mean, I mean I, you have to assume because they they have to they can't wear a, a single digit. Yeah, jersey. so you're, you're limited right there. I mean, and I'm not. I mean, just and, and, let, and let's hope to God that at least some of your linemen are the toughest guys. Right. New, I mean, Ellie, like, New Ellie has to be because he's juiced. <laughs> I mean, you hope one of your top ten toughest guys is offensive line, so that's kind of weird. But to Derek's point, like I, I'm kind of in the same camp. Like, I, I like it from the aspect that it's another insight to what's going on in the locker room. Yeah. Um, I think that's really cool. I think also what you will probably see is probably a couple unheralded guys that maybe walk ons, maybe third stringers. Um, you know, a guy that's no longer here, but Damian Jackson. Probably would have gotten one of those. Kalen um, Sanford is probably a candidate. Yeah, I mean, so you look at some guys like that that may not play, so it's kind of a cool way to give recognition, insight in the locker room. The other piece is, like, athletes are kind of weird about their jersey numbers. And it, it's one of those things that's like, is that really a hill that you want to die on as a coach? Is like, man, I really want to be number seven. 
I really want to yeah. be number eight. I've been this. My dad was this number. This is what I want to be like. And you're on the recruiting trail, like. I mean, I, again, Dylan yeah. Rayola, Quentin Newsom's Quentin Newsom's been here for like five years. He already has it tattooed on his arm, you right, know. Like, and and like, now he's going to lose his number. Like, what if he is one of the toughest? Well, just just put a one in front of it. It'll be all right. Yeah. What if he is one of the toughest guys? Is some asshole takes his number right before he gets up there? Like, oh, that that yeah. <laughs> he's the second. That'd tough, be a kick in the nuts. He's the I second mean, toughest guy on the team, and then someone comes and steals his number. Like, and then. Should have been the toughest guy. I guess, I guess. it's just it's I don't know it's it's a little bit hokey. It's a little bit. Well, I I, I hate to say this, but just just I'm gonna give you props for this. You asked me the question: What if they're already set on their number? What if they wear number ten and they don't want a single digit number? Yeah, that's too. Like I mean, so are you, are, are you allowed to just go? Thanks for the votes, but I don't yeah, yeah, want to change like, my jersey number. I already got a, a ten tattoo, it, and and maybe all these kids are just going to be so excited about it. They're just going to buy in, and all the it's just it, it's just that, a, that's why I think it's going to take a few years. I, I I find it hard to believe that kids are just going to buy into this right away. Yeah, I, I think in time when it actually becomes a tradition, maybe kids will be like, oh, okay, this would be kind of cool. But right now, I think a lot of kids are probably just feeling a little, I don't know, weary about it. I don't know. Kind of I mean, feels like, this kind of feels like the area code on the helmets with, with Frost. Like, it lasted a year. Did it last a full year, though? I, I don't even know if it lasted a full year. Whatever. I, but, that was a, but again, that was even a little bit different because it was like about your pride of your home, and it obviously didn't catch on. But Well, it's, it's fine, but it feels like the same kind of tradition to me. The, the difference, though, is that Rule did this at Temple. Rule did this at Baylor. Like... It seems like rules really bought into this concept of is being a good thing. So I don't. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> Frost did the area code thing in South of Central Florida. It's not like he just came here and went, "Oh, I'm gonna try this out." <laughs> Frost wasn't really uh, somebody who really stuck to his beliefs on the field. Hence, he <laughs> changed a lot of things very quickly, and that's fine. I, I just. Look, if you if you ask me, that's what this feels like. It just feels like the area code thing. I, I don't know if I agree with you. I, I I think this is this is going to be around. I think this is a new tradition at Nebraska, at least under the Matt Rule era, and uh, which hopefully is many many years. Um, and it's just going to take something to get used to. But again, I go back to what I said. It will be interesting coming fall. I mean, I will guarantee it. We will do a segment on who gets those single digit numbers this fall so what, or whenever it comes out. What? what what are your thoughts going to be on this if Dylan Rayola was like, I want to wear number eight? You better be tough. Like, well, I mean, you better be one of the toughest guys. His, his dad was pretty tough, so I don't think that's going to be a problem. But, uh, that's fine, but you're, you're talking about recruits, Tyler. I know. I, I agree. So you what, know, what, 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 if, what if this has been talked to with Dylan Rayola and he's they're going, well, if you want to wear number eight, you're going to have to come in and hurt. You know what Matt Rule says is, I, I'm the one who counts the ballots, motherfucker. Like, uh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll wear whatever number you want to wear. We'll Joe Biden the shit out of these votes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so do you guys have any thoughts on who would be like the, I don't know, two or three guys that will be definitely candidates to get that a single-digit jersey? Are there two or three guys that you could say, with, without a doubt, these guys are single-digit guys? I, I can't, but from what I'm, from everything I'm hearing and reading about Chief Borders, 
you have to think maybe he's one of them. Yeah, I can see him. Um, I mean, a, a guy who's no longer here, but Garrett Nelson seems like he would have been. Oh, he would. Yeah, he would have been a dude. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I didn't think about that. Like, I'm just kind of going through this. If you're not counting offensive line, maybe Fedoni. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's been I mean, through a lot of shit, and it seems and he like, was one of the leaders yeah. in that mat drills and. They were talking about how tough he was through that. So, may, may, maybe Fedoni's a good pick. I'm, I'm still rolling with Phelan Sanford when we have one. That that might that might be a good pick, too. Has there ever been a single-digit tight end, though? I mean, 11. Who uh, Was Austin Allen 11? He, uh, yeah. Keith and Carter was also. Austin Allen was at Fawner Park last weekend. Derek, you should have gone. I was busy. Busy I was working last Saturday. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, that is a great question, and we'll have to debate that a little bit later. Uh, all right, so moving on, uh, one last topic here, and it's uh, basically curse or no curse. Is there a Frank Solich curse or not? Because Frank Solich is going to be back in Memorial Stadium to be honored during the spring game. So, I don't know. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this? I, mean, I think, well, first of all, I think we got to start here. I mean, this is cool. I'm going to the spring game. I, I'm excited for this. I'm excited for hopefully they, they tout out some 90s, uh, some players from his, his era. That will be cool. Um, and, you know, seeing some highlights of when we didn't completely suck will be fun. Um, didn't completely suck. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like that's really a good uh, headline of the Frank Solager. Like we didn't completely suck then. Um, you know, at the time we sure felt like we did. We were, we were the best we've been since Osborne. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly right. I mean, at, at the time it seemed like the sky was falling every year with Solage, but uh, I still I still remember when we played Penn State and and the I don't know what the announcer was. He kept saying. There was like this graphic about like their histories, and it was like Joe Pa, Frank So, and they just kept going back and forth about their careers. And obviously, Joe Paterno had a much uh, better resume, but no, I, I think it's really cool. But back to your question on the curse, I think the curse is we've really sucked at hiring coaches until Matt Rule. And I mean, I thought Scott Frost was the guy. Obviously, that didn't work out. But I think the curse is. We really just have not been great at hiring coaches, uh, and ho- and hopefully we got a guy with that rule. Yeah, Derek, your thoughts on Frank Solich coming back? Well, first off, there is no such thing as a curse, but I really hope there is because if this breaks the curse, then I'm all for it. Yeah, but I, I don't believe there's a curse. It, it, like Tyler said, we've just hired some coaches that didn't fit well. I mean, I think Polini fit well, but. Whatever. I mean, it, he was a shit show in the media. Whatever. I mean, we, we, need to, we don't need to get back to that. Uh, Solich, I mean, he, he was what he was. I, I, I'm glad he's coming back. I'm glad that we're mending that bridge. Uh, but at the end of the day, it, to me, it doesn't change anything. I'm, I'm just happy he's coming back for whatever reason, I guess. I, I doesn't To be honored, me. man. 
That's fine. He's well, 78 man. years old. Did you hear that the, his... He didn't want this, right? Frank Solis yeah. didn't want to come back. And Trev Alberts was like, it's not for you, man. It's for the fans. Right. Because we all believe there's a curse. Like, we, we need something to believe in. <laughs> I don't believe there's a Frank Solich curse at all. I think it's kind of goofy when people talk about it. I mean, I guess, I guess when you suck for 20 straight years, you know, it's not suck. I mean, shit. Everyone talks about, you know... Getting over the hump, for a majority of those years, we were on the correct, we were on the right side of that hump. Sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's been so many years since he's been back. He's done paying child support on his illegitimate, illegitimate child. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Maybe his child's on the team now, and that's why he's coming back to watch the screen game. <laughs> Holy Too shit, shit, Derek. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Too soon. You couldn't wait. You couldn't wait till the summer to say something like that. <laughs> wow. But anyway, uh, moving on to that topic. But uh, you, Justin, you're right. Like, I mean, half of Callahan's years, we were on the right side of it. I mean, all of Pliny's years, we were on the right side of it. Riley had a year we were on the right side. I mean. <laughs> Every Just time. the last six years. Last six years, <laughs> we have not been on the right side of it. But we were at miniature golf, and we were trying to golf up the goddamn volcano to get the hole, and we kept rolling back. I mean, that's that's where we were. We weren't even getting over. We were just rolling right back. That's that's where we were. We're taking years. another stab at it. That's it. And that's first it. You don't succeed. Higher, higher again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so is there any other coach in the history of Nebraska that would be invited to be brought back to be honored like what Frank Solich is right now? Besides Tom Osborne. Okay. Uh, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, Bo Pelini left on such not not great terms with the university. I think we need a little bit more time before that heals. Scott Frost I would like to believe, like, would be brought back as a player, but I can't imagine him ever really wanting to step foot in Memorial Stadium again because I don't know what that time frame would need to be to not get any booze. Like, if, if they came back and said, hey, it's been whatever amount of years since the 97 National Championship, and Scott Frost came out, like, I, I don't know what that reaction would be in Memorial Stadium. It'd be weird. I mean, because let's say Matt Rule gets this kicked off to like where we as fans want it to be. I mean, these Scott Frost years, they, they will definitely look like... I mean, you thought this, uh, the Bill Callahan era was like a dark period in your life. I mean, that's... A, <laughs> it's even going to be darker, you know, with under the Scott Frost. And you're bringing this, that guy back. It's like, okay. Bringing Scott, Fro- bringing Scott Frost back would be like being happy about giving your ex-wife half your 401k. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it would be weird, but like, you know, Matt Rule has talked openly about a good relationship with Scott Frost. Like, I, I could see that. I, I just, honestly, I don't see Scott everyone. I I, I think that I, I I would be shocked if he comes back. So so the only, the only person is Bo Pelini. Like, it won't be Mike Riley. We're never bringing Mike Riley back. There's and Bill Callahan. We're never bringing back. Like, you think that, we bring back Bill Callahan? 
why the hell would we bring back Bill Callahan? So you could talk about hillbillies again? That was a great We, we could always bring Mike Riley back and give him a good old hip, hip, hooray. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind it. Him, him leading the team out the tunnel. Him, him handing out ice cream cones in Memorial Stadium. Yeah, we could all have an ice cream fight. I mean, but both play, but I I don't think so. I don't I I think we're not in the twenty twenties. I I would be very surprised to see Bo Pelini come back. I, I don't know what you guys think. I I think there's still too too much animosity there. Yeah. There's I don't think there's any shot in hell he would want to come back, and I don't think there's a lot of Nebraska people that would want him to come back. Really? What about the fans? I, I I'm with you on the administration. I think there's a I, lot of people in the university. I don't don't. know. I the fans are split fifty fifty on it. Still, I think I. I mean I. I I don't know how many people still want him around as a coach. There's everyone's like, oh yeah, we should have fired him sooner. Well, the, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't see know. I mean, I, I can remember like a lot of fans, or not a lot, but you know, some fans, you know, talking about like him coming back as defensive coordinator. You know, like when Shenander was, you know, not doing well. Like, hey, bring Bo Pelini. I don't know. I think that I one know. of the differences just... with Bo versus like a Frank Solich is like Bo Pelini, all due respect, kind of fizzled out once he left Nebraska. Like he had that one year at Youngstown State where he's like, man, he's a good coach. And then after that, he really, his career kind of fizzled out. Hence why he's not coaching today. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's because Bo Pliny that, that seems to coach. happen with that seems to happen with about every Nebraska coach. Well, no, it, I mean it really does. I mean Mike Riley went to the UFL. Uh, yeah, fizzled out. I mean he's he was coach of the year. I would say Callahan's the only one that hasn't fizzled. Mike Riley's out. still back. coaching. He was the coach of the year of the UFL. That doesn't count. That's not even football. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's, no, it's not. It's played in the spring. It doesn't count. I'm just saying, like. I mean, Scott Frost obviously has... That's a, like saying the XFL counts. I would say that uh, between Bill Callahan, Mike Riley, and Bo Pliny, Bo Pliny is third on that list of most successful coaches since leaving Nebraska. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, Callahan went back... Callahan went back and did what he was good at to begin with, what he should never quit doing. Yep. Now he's been on an offensive line yep, coach. He was great at that. And I, and I would welcome him back as an offensive line coach in a heartbeat. Sure. He, I mean, he would never come here. No, he put him it, as but... a recruiter and uh, offensive line coach? Hell yeah, sign me up for that. But, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I'm with you, Derek. I think, Justin, you seem to be a little bit different. Do you think Bo would be back? Like, do you, could you see a scenario, let's just say, it took, I mean, it took Solich 20, was it 20 years exactly since he left? Let's do a little bit less safe. So uh, tw- by t- the, 2029, by the end of 15 years since Pelini was fired, do you think in the next six years he'll be brought back? I could see a scenario laid out where they want to honor that 2009 football team with Ndamukong Sue, Levani David, you know, all those great guys because it was a really good team. Shitty offense, but great team, right? And I could see a scenario where, you know, in some September evening they want to do a home game and honor that team, and I would not be shocked if Bo Pelini is there with this team. I, it would it would not shock me if he was there. If Pelini were to do it, it would be for the team. 
Yeah, but it would be with I, his players. It wouldn't be something he is not, on his he own. He is not coming back. Yeah, no, he's not coming back. And, on I, his and, own. and look, look, I don't think that we would honor. You know, we we I don't think we'd roll out the red carpet for like any of those coaches after Frank Solich, like uh, like what we're doing for Frank Solich, right? All the other guys, it would have to be a team event, like honoring the 2019. And and Frank is also a little bit different. Not only was he unquestionably the most successful Nebraska coach in Osborne, he also was part of those 90s teams. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, and so, like, it, he isn't just the, the guy that was around for six years and fizzled out and didn't work out. Like, he was a huge part of the dynasty that Osborne built. So... It is oh. and former player. I and mean, former yeah. player. Like, I mean, again, all the things that you would want that none of the other coaches really check the boxes of. Of you know, Pelini, while he had success, doesn't really have all. It's just yeah. So I, I think on, on the note, it, it's really good on this. So I got to ask one last thing. So crystal ball on Frank Solich. You know what you know now. Two thousand three. Do you fire him? Yeah, I, I, not to end on this sour note, but do you still fire him in 2003? No. Hell no. Yes. Should have been fired in 2002. We, the year after we went to the national championship game. His 500 season, yes. God, we, we, we give, like, SEC we back, teams. We backed, into that, we backed into that national championship game. God, we, we talked so been bad there. about teams that do that. It's like, oh wow, he just you know, you're right. We do, championship. but but it happens, and that's and that's what happens. And I, and I dare anybody to try and argue with me that Alabama's not going to do this. Okay, but there, but let, let let a coach come in after Saban and go 500 one year and see if he has a job that following year. It's a different era, a little bit in college football, but like it wasn't just that we won the national championship. We were in the national championship the year before. We were top five the year before that. We were back-to-back top five teams in 2000 and 2001. And, hell, 99, we were a pretty good team. 99, yeah. We, remember, we were, what would we do? We finished third because we thought that we were going to get into the title game. No, that was 2000. Over, that was, no, that was 99. We won 99, the conference title in 99. I thought we made it. And then uh, we, we had that one loss, and then we were just like, I don't know, like a tenth of the points behind Virginia Tech to play in the national title game. Uh, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it was 99. But yeah, but to, but we, I mean, we we had some, we had a few good years under him. I I think that, and then two thousand, and then two thousand three, we were a nine win team, had some really ugly losses. But I I don't know. I I think that was a. I think that was what you were defining as Alabama. Just like we wanted to move on. I think there was a lot of people that weren't happy. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't the flashiest guy. He wasn't, you know, he he wasn't the name we wanted, and we were really high on ourselves. Like Alabama will be after Saban. I I just but it was it was also the 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 narrative also was with that Solich was not recruiting well. They uh, he was doing it with Osborne's players, and he wasn't going to be able to do it with any of his players. That I mean, maybe it's wrong, but that that was the. Picture being painted by most of media and fans. You know what the most outrageous part of all of this is? Even using hindsight, going back 20 years, right? Derek is like, yep, still, fuck that guy. Fire him. 
And then you yeah. know what happened rid, over the last twenty years. Get rid of him and hire better than Callahan. But we couldn't. It, we couldn't. We tried. We tried to hire a Houston nut, which that probably wouldn't have been better. That much better <laughs> either. Like, I mean, it took us until Scott Frost to like actually go out there and get a big name coach, and then we did it again with Matt Rule. Like, it took us a very long time to be like, wait, we don't have to settle for someone who was fired in the NFL or a guy who's never been a head coach a day in his life. Like, we can well, actually go out and hire <laughs> someone that's been something. No, that, that's not fair. That's not fair because everybody wanted Bo Pelini hired. Yeah. Everybody wanted Bo Pelini hired when we fired Solich. Yeah, people are idiots. They wanted Frank Solich fired in 2003. Don't listen so, to the people. So I will say that I think when people uh, are clamoring for, you know, Frank Solich included, when he was fired and, and when he was fired... I think that people trusted the athletic department that they actually had a well thought out plan to replace that person before they fired him. And, and that's fair. And they have not. They've completely shit the bed on all of the planning that goes involved into replacing a coach. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, now now that Trev is here, I mean, we have an adult in the room that is very you know has a plan, very articulate, and he can he knows how to plan, and yeah, and we are, and we are going to be great again. Make Nebraska great again, right? <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Nice Bud Light there, Tyler. That's a Bud Light. I don't see anything weird on my can. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, so yeah, so Frank Solich, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really happy he's back. I didn't think this day would ever come. But It'll be fun. It's here. It will be it's, a it's lot of fun at Memorial oh. Stadium. Yeah. That, that's I'm good. happy he's coming back. I mean, I, I know I've kind of hammered on the guy a little bit, but I, but I am happy he's coming back. Wait, you hammered I on him? You cool. brought up a sex scandal from 20 years ago? Like, <laughs> unconfirmed. I mean. Allegedly. All the words you need to throw out there, not to get sued. We were throwing out there in that claim. <laughs> it made me laugh. It made me groan, <laughs> made me chuckle. Just a reminder, that's Derek. Uh, you, what, that's what's, your Derek. Twiddle, what's your Twitter handle, Derek? At CuzCast Derek. <laughs> At CuzCast Derek. <laughs> All day long, baby. Team Derek. Hashtag. Team Derek. There it is. All right, guys. Uh, anything else we want to get into? All right. Well, let's get out of here. Hey, special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. And don't forget to rate and review. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.